1.8, which means that the vast majority of people were unhappy. And if you think that the scores ranked from one to five, that must mean there were an awful lot of ones there. Just do the math, right? There must have been an awful lot of ones, people who were literally just there for the paycheck and really didn't like their job, right? There was a, a survey done by the, um, the uh, I think the US Department of Labor um, a couple of years ago. And I think it was something like 80% um, or 80 something percent of people said that they were not happy in their jobs. Okay, as in they're there for the paycheck. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything. So sit back and enjoy the show. And welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is the co-founder of Salisi and also a podcaster. He's here to talk about helping people find their perfect job and achieve life transformation. Welcome, Simon, to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Angelica. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you because I know we've chatted before and there's so many great things that you want to share with my audience. But before we get into that, tell my listeners a bit about yourself. Okay. So, well, first of all, thanks again for having me. Um, I am the co-founder of Salisi, uh, which is a, an international headhunting and career development company. Um, we started in 2005. Um, I'd been in recruitment for about eight years at that point. And then we started the company um, primarily to help organizations find really good people to really kind of boost their talent. And uh, uh, about two years ago, kind of pre-pandemic, we decided to start uh, a career development arm to the company, which we call Salisi Academy, which is principally to help people um, improve their jobs, find better jobs, um, improve and develop their careers, uh, which is a real passion of mine uh, because I'm very, very lucky that I've been in this industry for about 25 years. So I started when I was seven. No, I'm kidding. And, um, and I'm, I recognize the fact that not everybody is as lucky as I am. You know, I've got a friend actually uh, called Leon. Um, Leon's father is a doctor. His mother, I believe, is a, is, a, is a pharmacist. So he always knew from the age of about five that he was going to work in the medical industry. And he's, in fact, a doctor. There are very, very few people out there like Leon, you know. And so my mission is to help people find and be gainfully employed in a job that they love. Wow. And, you know, I feel like nowadays with everything that's happening, we're kind of holding on to our jobs. But before this whole craziness happened, I don't even want to say the word because it's been overplayed and we hear it too much. It's getting it was getting to a point where a lot of people, even others that I've spoken to, are just like, you know, I like the pay that I get, but I don't like anything else. And they're afraid of moving. They're either afraid of finding their passions. They're afraid of just 
going through that transition. And it's like, how can we get people to just, okay, I know that the paycheck's important, don't get me wrong, but how much more are you going to drive yourself into that state of mind of, I just, I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm here for the paycheck because it, it evolves and becomes a little bit complicated and it goes within yourself mentally and physically. How can we break those people out? You know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And first of all, let, let's just look at the, the scale of the problem. Okay. Because, you know, you and I are just two people. We're just talking and I'm very happy in what I do. You, I'm guessing, are pretty happy what you know, doing what you do, okay? So in the context of this conversation between you and I, this problem is zero, okay? However, if you look on a more global scale, the statistics are very, very um, harsh, okay? So there was a, a survey done by the, um, the uh, I think the US Department of Labor um, a couple of years ago, and I think it was something like, um, 80% or 80 something percent of people said that they were not happy in their jobs. Okay. As in they're there for the paycheck. All right. Um, we here at Salisi conducted a survey um, of over 1000 people. So pretty good sample survey size. Okay. And this spanned um, people of different industries, different levels, different, uh, you know, up and down the, uh, the organizational chart, uh, different levels of experience, different levels of tenure. So a real mix. Okay. And we asked people to just one simple question, which was score how happy you are in your job today. Not how you felt yesterday or how you think you're going to feel tomorrow, how you feel today. Okay. And rank yourself where five is i had a fantastic oh, i loved my job today my job was great tomorrow morning i'm going to wake up with a spring in a, my step and a song in my heart down to one which is oh my god the only reason why i was here was for the pay but i hated it okay and that was the scale all right so we, and we asked over 1000 people if i if i would ask you to guess what the average score was I'm, I'm going to guess you would say something like a three, maybe three and a half. You know, what would you say an average score would be from that survey? Um, say like two. Yeah. I mean, you think, you know, that's that's pretty harsh. But, you know, obviously we're here and we're talking about it. So I'm yeah. guessing that you're you, you kind of downscoring it. Actually, it was one point eight. Oh, damn. One point eight. So you marked it down. It's actually not done even further, all right? <laughs> 1.8, all right? That was the average across a 1,000 people who all clearly had had different days, different kinds of day, okay? And they'd had, um, it, and obviously not all these questions were asked on the same day, so it couldn't be just that there was like something that happened on that particular day that made everybody miserable, you know? It wasn't the day that, you know, Princess Diana died or anything, right? Um, so, you know, 1.8 which means that the vast majority of people were unhappy. And if you think that the scores ranked from one to five, that must mean there were an awful lot of ones there. Just do the math, right? There must have been an awful lot of ones, people who were literally just there for the paycheck and really didn't like their job. I'm now, still shocked about this before we move on. 80% 
80% do not like their jobs. And I'm kind of curious what the numbers here in Canada, because you are located in the U S and you have business internationally, but yeah. it still scares me because you start to think of it. This is not just, you know, not just like, let's say a company of 500 people, but within a company of 500 people, you're looking at half and half are not happy. And then it's, it just, the more I think about it, it's like, it could be a whole company and only five people that don't, the five people that actually like their job. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. That's a huge number. It is. I'll tell you something else as well. Let's, let's just think of this statistically, right? Let's just say there are, let's say 500 people listen to this conversation. Okay. Statistically, of those 500 people, 400 of them did not have a good day today. 400 of them did not enjoy their job today. Only 100 did. Wow. All right. Or if you go out for, for a meal with some friends tonight and there are four of you sitting around a table, if you were happy in your job, chances are the other four weren't. Hmm. All right. That's the scale of it. Yeah. All right. So the question then becomes, well, what do we do about it? Okay. And it's it, very often so much of this comes from not knowing what people want. Okay. It's the classic thing. I mean, you can apply what I'm about to tell you. Number one is nothing new. All right. And number two, you can apply to pretty much every single aspect of your life, which is this. Unless you know what you're aiming for, you've got. And a disproportionately tiny chance of achieving it. Okay. So it's a little bit like if I gave you a dart and I put a dartboard on the wall and then I blindfolded you and spun you around, what are the chances of you hitting the dartboard? Not much of a chance because I'm going to be dizzy. <laughs> you're going to be dizzy and you don't know what you're aiming at. Yeah. All I can right. aim at you. Even and though well, I don't want you. to, but you just don't know. <laughs> well, you can take that picture that I sent you and you put it on the dartboard and then you'll have a perfect thing to aim at. But the, <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the reality is that most people aren't happy in their jobs because they have no real idea what kind of job they ought to be going for when they went to get a job. And that's the, that's the truth, okay? If you conduct a straw poll, and we did, of how many people or what proportion of people actually think through the kind of job they should be going for before they actually apply for one you'd be staggered how small that number is okay again we conducted a similar kind of survey where we said okay and again we asked one single question it was a different survey to the other one so we weren't asking the same respondents okay we asked one simple question which was when you took the job you have right now how much thought did you put into determining exactly what it was that you wanted to do? Okay. And we ranked people from one to five, where one was, well, I didn't really give it much thought. I just saw the ad or the opening or my friend called me and said, do you want to come and work for me? All the way up to, I sat down, thoroughly um, uh, researched the job market, went through a full introspection of the kind of job I wanted to do, determining where my skills and my experience lay and the time um, I would want to spend on the things I enjoy to ensure 
that the job that I'm going to do will be something I'll actually enjoy doing and will marry up with my skills and experience, okay? We ask people to rank themselves from one to five, okay? I'm not going to ask you this time because you came too close to the, last, to the number last one. <laughs> but actually, now I will do it. Go on. What do you think the, the average was? Between one of, I didn't really do any research at all, to five of, thoroughly researched the market and thoroughly researched myself of what kind of job I should be going for. What do you think between one and five was the uh, was the average number? I'll be honest. I think it's more between one to two because people, and I'll tell you my reasoning. I feel like people just nowadays are either looking at the salary or finding out what the salary could be like. And it's just, okay, it's either close to home, maybe because it's, it's easy to, if you've got a family, I can drop off kid one or two or whatever it is. And then I can go there or it could be to a location closest to their after school activities or after work activities. I just feel like it's people are just finding the job because of location, or it could be just, Hey, it's a job and hours seem pretty great. Eight to five. Who doesn't want to work that if I can get eight to three, even better. So I'm assuming between one to two. You're right. It was actually 1.7. Yeah, it was, it was actually very, funnily enough, it was very, very close to the first number. Okay. So it's 1.7, okay? And, uh, and, there, and what this basically says is that the reason what there, there is an almost exact correlation between the amount of time people put into researching their, the, the job market and the kind of job they ought to be doing with how happy they are when they get it, okay? Which, if you think about it, makes perfect sense, okay? The more forethought you put into doing something, the more successful the outcome of the activity itself is going to be. All right. So uh, it's a little bit like if, um, okay, let's say your best friend got married and decided that you should be the maid of honor. Okay. I can almost guarantee before you throw the bachelorette party, you're going to really understand exactly what she wants before you put up, you know, and then the bachelorette party is going to be a great success. However, if you just said, okay, well, I'm just going to put something on without any thoughts to what she wanted, the likelihood of her enjoying the bachelorette party plummets, right? Because, you know, you've got no idea whether she wants it to be, you know, let's all go to a fine dining restaurant or let's go, you know, white water rafting down, you know, the river or whatever it is, right? So the... This applies to pretty much every aspect of our lives. The more forethought that goes into you, that, that, that you put in before you do something, the more likely the success of the activity itself. Makes okay? perfect sense. Right. So what kind of forethought do people need to put in? All right. And primar the primary thing people need to think about Prime, and, and we actually were, um, we're, we're, we're developing a piece of software to specifically address this. And uh, depending on when this particular podcast drops, um, it, it, maybe it's already out or maybe it's, it's coming out very soon. So uh, um, <laughs> you'll see, it, you'll see in, the, uh, in the show notes whether it's out or not. But um, specifically, there is something that, we work, that, that my team are working on that addresses this. Okay, but to boil it down into its most kind of basic level, the primary criteria you need to be thinking about are what are the things I enjoy doing? 
okay? What are the things I'm good at? And how much time am I spending doing those things? Okay. So for example, all right. Um, take, take you, Angelica, take you as an example. All right. Um, in your day, how much time, uh, what would, how would you rank the things that you, the, the things that you spend the most amount of time doing? If you were to list them, okay. The things you spend the most amount of time doing, what would they be? Top Say, let, let's just make it simple. Top three things, okay? You spend the most amount of your time doing. What are they in any it's, given day? In any given day? Um, yeah. This is, you're talking outside of work. No, you? in work. Oh, in, in your work. job. In work. The top three things you do in terms of the amount of time you spend doing them. Um, I feel like the work varies. Like it's, I'm obviously on the computer. I'm either doing Excel spreadsheets and doing invoices. And I feel like it's just, sometimes it varies throughout the day, right? Okay. So, so, so data entry is, it sounds like it's quite, uh, it's uh, uh, quite a big part of that, right? Yeah. A lot of administrative work. And then there's like end of the entry. month billing. That's, it becomes pretty hectic because you're trying to, you know, to create this report to send over the owner to get obviously paid. So it's, I feel like it varies every day. Okay, so that's one thing. Okay, what um, what what would you say, or maybe uh, a couple of other things that you spend a lot of time doing, or, or maybe when you're not doing the ab the the administrative duties, what other duties are you doing? I'm doing like the housekeeping within our Google Drive, making sure files are up to date. I'm asking the field team if they need any help. So it's I'm pretty trying to throw myself out there more okay. and. It, now that I'm working from home, I feel like it's a little bit different because there it's like you, there's so much more that you can do than opposed to what you're doing at home, right? Right. So let's just take those three things then, okay? okay. The uh, um, the admin, the kind of housekeeping, and then the assisting the field team, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to rank each of those things, and we'll do them one by one, okay? Each of those things out of five, where one is, oh my God, I hate doing this to five of, oh my God, I love doing this, okay? Mm -hmm. How would you rank doing the admin? The admin stuff, I would say five because I do really enjoy, enjoy it. doing it. Great. Yeah, I really do. Okay. What about the um, the kind of Google Drive housekeeping type stuff? Um, I feel like it could be a three or four because you're kind of like, oh man, like it's just, tedious little things but also that keeps everything organized so there is a pro and con to it okay but how much do you enjoy it how would you rather it wasn't it? there or would you rather it was or is it actually i'd rather be doing more of this um now that i'm thinking about it probably more of it because then okay. that allows you to expand your skills that's how i'm thinking okay. right now okay and then finally so we'll, let's say that's a four okay and then finally the um helping the field team how about how much do you enjoy doing that between one and five I would say five because when I was in the office, I felt like you were able to see more. I'm in the construction industry for those who are kind of wondering with the field team. So it's nice to get your boots tied up and get out there and just really just see how things are forming and happening. So I, I'm more of a visual. So I do like that side of the things and I wish I could be doing more. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's something that I enjoy, especially just getting out there. Right. Okay. Well, of these three things, right? Um, I mean, we, 
we'll just sort of take a, uh, it, this isn't obviously exact because normally we go through it in much more detail, but just broadly, okay? So um, these three things, I'm guessing probably the administration, you're probably spending, um, what, 60 to 70% of your time and then maybe 20% doing the, the, uh, the Google Drive stuff, maybe 10% doing the, uh, uh, the field stuff. Is that probably about Sounds right? Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So you're in a phenomenally attractive position from mm-hmm. your perspective because you're scoring, you're scoring fours and fives across the board, which mm-hmm. means that the reason why you are happy in what you do is because the stuff that you are doing, you actually enjoy. And this isn't rocket science. This is super simple to kind of get your head around, all right? Mm-hmm. So because you actually enjoy, because you enjoy the tasks that you're doing for them and those tasks that you enjoy doing are, are taking up the majority of your working day or the majority of your working hours, it stands to reason that you actually enjoy your job, okay? Mm-hmm, I do. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is there anything at all you do in your job that you really don't like doing? But it doesn't really matter because you're only doing it for like five minutes a day or 20 minutes a week or whatever it is. Is there anything at all? Like, okay, let me tell you. For me, I hate data entry, okay? Now, now and then in the course of what I've got to do, I've got to manually input stuff into a, into a database, okay? Luckily, it takes me five or 10 minutes, you know, and it's only really when my assistant isn't really around or she's overwhelmed, I've got to kind of chip in a little bit, right? So I hate doing it. Fact is, if I do it for say 10 minutes a day, that's quite a lot of, uh, that, that's, that's a lot, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so I can tolerate something that I really don't enjoy for five or 10 minutes a day, or sometimes I can go a whole week and not do it at all. Okay. But, okay. So is there anything like that in your day where there's something, it happens very rarely, but when it does, oh man, I really don't want to do it, but I kind of have to, it goes with the territory. I think it would have to say scanning because now we're going digital. (laughs) Right. Right. I okay. feel like scanning documents from like three to four years ago, it becomes right. like, I'm not really looking for, I know we had to do it because we were on a timeline and I know going forward, it'll become more enjoyable because it's like, it's not going to be 11 boxes that you have to scan and each binder is about three to four inches. So it's not going to be that overwhelming, but I can say that was one task that I was just like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, I had technical difficulties with our printer and it ended up dying on me and it's just like because it was so old so if that were to happen again and I had another 12 boxes I think that's one thing I would be like oh gosh but of course I still do it regardless I'm not gonna dwell on it I've been working since I was 14 so I know how to handle certain situations and really just you know what just we have to do it it has to get done I'm the one assigned to it I gotta do it so right but that's (laughs) fine when it's one um either it happens very rarely or it's just like you know a small thing you've got to do you know a couple of times you know like five minutes once or twice a week or actually it's going to be a couple of hours but it's once a quarter or something like that Mm -hmm. right but imagine if that was your job every day i think i would go nuts but then there's there's a there's a shredding company that does that, you know, it's like, <laughs> True, but, but imagine you were working for that shredding company. Oh gosh. I, I, I would that lose was it. Your job. Right. <laughs> Bec- and what, but, and why? Because quite simply, you'd be spending the majority of your time doing something you clearly don't enjoy. Yeah. Okay. Now, so having understood that paradigm, mm-hmm. then the skill comes down to reverse engineering it. 
And this mm. is what people don't do and what they need to do mm. is to sit down and work out what are the things I enjoy doing, either using that current job as a, as a, as a, um, as a template, okay? And in fact, probably the best place to start is to, if someone is not happy in their job, okay, the best exercise they can do is to list all of the things they do in their job, list all of the, um, list, all, list the amount of time or a portion the amount of time they spend a day or a week, if it makes, if it makes more sense, um, doing those things, okay? And then ranking well, um, out of five, how much they enjoy each of those activities, okay? And if they see that the overwhelming amount of time they're spending is doing things that are um, things that they don't enjoy, then clearly that's the problem, you know? If yeah. they're spending the majority of time doing things they do enjoy, then they can see those the areas either they want to retain or build on when they look for another job. Maybe they don't need to find another job. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if somebody is unhappy, it's going to be because of one of two reasons. Okay. Or maybe three, but certainly one of the most two common reasons, which are either A, they're not spending enough time doing things that they that they enjoy. Okay. B. They're spending too much time doing things they actively do not enjoy, okay? So it could be, for example, I, I really enjoy the majority of things that I do, but there's one thing that I really, really, really don't like doing that's actually spoiling the rest of my day for me. For, like, for example, I remember, I mean, just as an example, um, years and years ago, uh, before we started Salisi, um, very early in my career, I was working for a company and there was one guy in that company that for whatever reason I had a major personality clash with. His name was Callum. Okay. And I'm not going to say his last name <laughs> because I don't want anyone to get sued, but he was a complete and utter fill in the blank. Right. He and I just did not get on. Okay. And he was a bully. He was aggressive. I mean, I can hold my own, but this guy was a complete and utter unpleasant individual okay and if there were any activities or any projects that i was kind of partnered with him or in the same team as him it really spoiled my time i loved my job i just loathed spending time with him so much so that i actually went to uh the, the managing director of the company I went to the boss and said you can't have me with him otherwise i'm going to quit and I love everything else about the company. I love everything else about my job. I just can't work with Callum. He's a complete and not a unpleasant individual. Okay. So you might look at my kind of analysis and go, yeah, but you love everything else. And you spend so much time on everything else. It's true. But any time with him or any time doing that specific activity is so toxic to how much I'm enjoying my, the, the rest of my job that it's spoiling it. Okay. So again, the two primary factors are that you're not spending enough time doing things you enjoy or you're spending too much time. And that too much time could be one minute spending too much time doing something you actively don't enjoy. Okay. I see where you're going with this because now I start to look back of all the previous jobs that I've had and what happened during those jobs that... It was either I enjoyed the task, what I doing, but I did not like either how it was run or managed. And then there was, 
I like how it was managed, but I didn't really like the tasks that I was doing. <laughs> so you really yeah. got me thinking of the past positions that I've had and trying to, you know, detect, okay, like, yeah, I did jump around a lot. I did have two to three jobs in between everything to kind of figure out, okay, which one's going to be suitable for me. And you know what I noticed now there's not many besides going to a headhunter and all that. There's not many online resources where when I was in, in high school, you were able to do like this. I don't know if it was a 15 or 20 minute, uh, 15, 20 minute, uh, online quiz where you would, uh, they would ask you like what you like to do, what type of person you are, what are your passion about? And then it will give you a list of, um, professions that, you can explore into, and it will give you detailed, like detailed information. And when I was trying to look for that a couple of years back, and I was just like, you know, what am I going to get into? I felt like I've done retail for, I did it for 18 years. I've done, I went into the service industry. I went into the fitness industry. I've done like a whole bunch of positions to a point where you're just like, what do I settle now? Like, what do I do at this point? So I feel like now and, and along with other people that I've heard who were trying to find that next move or that next job, it's been very difficult. Yes, I went to school. Lucky enough, I, you know, I'm currently working what I went to school for, but not really exactly, but in the industry. And a lot of people are just like, I what's I what's the point of me doing what I did in school? Because really there's not really job opportunities out there. You're right. And I'll tell I'll tell you something else. And 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 this is um this is the sad truth, okay, is that um, you earn more in your career the longer you've been doing it, in the, for the most part, okay? There's always exceptions, okay? But for the most part, normative, like normative operating procedure is that somebody that's been doing, that's been working in an industry for five years is not going to earn as much as someone that's been working in that industry for 10 years because, you know, the more experience you get, the more job, you know, the more opportunities you get for promotion, for development, uh, your, you know, your skills are worth more, you get paid more and so on. Okay. So it, it just stands to reason that if somebody has been doing a job or in an industry and has got more and more experience and more success and more, more expertise over a longer period of time, their time, that their, uh, their time is going to be worth more therefore they're going to get paid more right can we agree on that yeah okay so and here's the bit that gets the sad if you figure out when you are 15 that you want to work in a particular industry and you go into that industry and progress through you know you want to be a broadcaster you want to be a movie producer you want to be a doctor you want to be a i don't know uh soft drinks manufacturer whatever it is okay um and you figure that out at 15 and you go to school you get qualified you enter the industry at an entry level and progress your way through at 15 when you retire you will retire on whatever salary you'll retire on okay if somebody only figures that out when they're 25 They've got 10 years less to get to the level that the 15-year-old did. Or maybe not 25, but uh, maybe not 10 years because, the, you know, from 15 to, say, 22, 23, 24, they were just sort of figuring out, you know, they were getting into the industry, right? But if somebody only figured that out, say, 25, and could only enter into the industry at 30, then they're five years behind. If someone only figured it out at 30 or 35 or 40, they're significantly behind, okay? 
So the sad truth is, the longer you leave it to figure it out, to figure out how you want to spend your career, the less you are going to earn in that career. And you're going to peak, or no, your peak, the point at which you retire, which hopefully is the peak of your career, is going to be a lower peak than had you done it five years earlier or 10 years earlier or, the, or when you left school. Mm. But I'm also noticing, I'm not sure about you, where let's say if you move to a different company in the same position, yes, you get more or the next person after you gets more or two times more. And of course it's because of current standards, economically, everything there's, um, there's all of that math to it. A lot of people get upset by it because they've been waiting for a specific raise for so many years. And then all of a sudden the person who's younger, fresh, just got the job as you have and is making more than you like people start to get upset about that and i'm hearing it more and more it's it's everywhere that people are just like how is this even possible yeah i mean at the end of the day um gem- okay uh, generally speaking people will pay more to hire somebody and they have to and it's simply because think of it this way if you are on a salary of $50,000, I'm just picking a number out of, the air, out of the air, right? You're on a salary of $50,000 and a competitor comes to you and says, hey, Angelica, we've heard you're doing such great work over there. We want you to come and do exactly what you're doing for them, for us, right? Now you're thinking, well, I'm doing a $50,000 job here, right? But I know my environment. There's no risk at all to me showing up to work tomorrow and not getting on with anybody or the whole thing falling apart around my ears. I know exactly what's going on. So for me to stay put is zero risk. For me to move, there is going to be a risk. It's a new job. It's a new environment, new people, new culture. Everything's new and different. And new and different always means risk. So that risk needs to be compensated. Okay. So, hey, other company, of course, I'll come and do exactly what I'm doing here for you at exactly the same level for you, but I want 55,000 or 60,000 because I'm not just going to move for a, uh, to do exactly the same job for exactly the same amount of money. I might as well stay here where there's no risk. So that in turn drives up the salaries because the, whenever somebody new comes into a company, it's always going to um, include an element of risk for the, for the individual that's being hired. There's no risk at all for the world. Very, there's very limited risk for the company. Okay, think of it this way: if somebody goes and joins a company um, and it doesn't work out, and they leave after three months, and they go somewhere else and they leave after three months, the third company that's looking to hire them is going to go: Is this person a job hopper? Are they going to come here and then leave? Am I? Are we going to go through all the rigmarole of hiring them, training them, only to find that they leave? So. If anyone stays for a short period of time in a company, and this is going to change industry to industry what short period means, but overall, if anyone joins a company and only stays for a short period of time, they're running the risk of being branded a job hopper, which will leave an indelible stain on their resume. Okay. However, a company can literally have a revolving door of employees and nobody will care. Yeah, you'll look at glassdoor.com. Yeah, you'll look at review sites. Yeah, you'll hear what the industry has to say. But for the most part, 
somebody joining a company and leaving after a short period of time has a much bigger negative impact on the individual than it ever would on the company. You're making sense. This is what you do, what you do. You really Whoa, just truth bomb. <laughs> you really are putting all the pieces together. And these are some questions that, you know, I've heard in discussions and from other people who are kind of just like, you know, like what, how, or what to do, what's next and all that. But. Which is also, by the way, you'll mm-hmm. know there are a number of, and that there are, there's a major ethical question mark over what I'm about to say. But there are a number of companies who have a policy of non-disclosure amongst employees of salaries and benefits. So you and I working for the same company, I couldn't say to you, hey, Angelique, how much are you getting paid? Really? Because I'm getting paid this. All right. The reason is because they don't want there to be, if you like, um, uh, collective bargaining when it comes to things like salaries. Okay. They don't want to, they, they don't want in those organizations what happened to warner brothers when all of the cast of friends got together and negotiated the salaries of you either pay us all a million dollars an episode or we're all walking yes yeah (laughs) i love your examples that you're using too because it's true it's it's crazy it's really the fact that i'm still processing 80 percent of the usa are unhappy with your job it's like people just got to take that leap of faith and, and make that change. Yeah. Make the change. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is with forethought, figuring out in advance what it is that you want to do by figuring out in advance of that, the things you enjoy doing and the amount of time you spend doing them. And it's uh, the, the thing that makes me kind of cringe when I'm saying this is it sounds so simple because it is. But as my grandmother used to say, the problem with common sense is it ain't that common. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know? You nailed it. I, you know, I'm, I'm complete shocked with words because you provided so much great information and it really gets myself thinking of other things too. And looking back at the past and kind of just like, you know what, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was because of the skill set, or maybe because of this or maybe because of that. But I'm currently, I'm very happy where I'm at looking to obviously grow within the company and all that. So I've got a plan in place for myself. But for others out there, it's like, what could you encourage people at this point to find that job? Yes, a hunter, what, you, what is your position to help people? Like, how could you help them find that perfect position and be happy at their job? Well, we have, um, we have a number of tools uh, within Silicon Academy. Um, so uh, uh, the primary one is the uh, Career Accelerator which walks people through a lot of these things, okay? Um, and it can be found at all the W's, careeraccelerator.com. Um, and that, that's something that really helps people figure out at the outset exactly what it is they want to do, all right? By helping them figure out the amount of time they're spending on the things that they are, they're doing, um, really kind of drilling into uh, the kind of jobs they want to do, okay? It, it forces them to go through this exercise. Because at the end of the day, 
you if you build a tower, but you didn't put the time in to build the proper foundations, the tower's going to fall down. All right. And a career really is a tower because every year it's building on what you did the previous year. Okay. Which, by the way, is the difference between, and you'll know it amongst your circle of friends or people in your neighborhood or community, whatever it is, right? There are some people who, and probably even amongst, if you think back to, you know, your graduating class, okay? There are some people who picked a career, stuck with it, have, have gone on to do really well. And there are other people who've literally gone from job to job. Yeah, now they're working in Walmart. No disrespect for people who are working in Walmart. And then, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm helping my brother-in-law do some building work. And now, yeah, there's a guy down, there's a guy I met who, do, who does roofing. And now, yeah, I've decided I'm going to be selling, you know, pet supplies online, okay? And they never get beyond that ground level, okay? And it's simply because they're trying to build a tower the same way you are, but they have not dug the foundation. So every time they put the first floor on, it collapses into the sand because they didn't build the foundations. This exercise at the beginning, if, if people want to look at the career accelerator, forces people, forces people to, um, to build that, those foundations. Because that's the only way you can build a career is by getting the foundations right. Exactly, exactly. Wow, I, again, I'm still blown away by all this information provided and I'm glad you came on the podcast because I'm just like, I hope this helps people really open up their eyes and take that leap of faith and finding what they love and enjoy to do, because there is so many new positions out there. Even now, like there's social media marketing, there is all this stuff involved social media that maybe that's something of your wheelhouse that you can really get into and excel in it as an example, as I'm saying it. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one other thing as well, which is, um, now is such an important time because the in the world has changed so much in the last 18 months okay and as hopefully the pandemic is coming to an end in some places you know some i mean I, i'm in las vegas nevada and uh, things are really opening up now there are other countries in the world i know where they're not quite there yet but Hopefully in the next few weeks and months, things will really start to open up again. And there'll be an awful lot of job opportunities out there. Companies are going to be taking new investments. They're going to be hiring people. A lot of projects they were holding off on, they're now going to be launching. And it's going to have a massive trickle-down effect. So, yeah, you may not necessarily be in the industry like I don't know, oil and gas or something that's going to open up pipelines or whatever, but those oil and gas companies are going to have to buy their paper from somewhere they're going to have to buy their i don't know their water coolers from somewhere they're going to have to buy their their infrastructure from somewhere their computers from somewhere their software from somewhere okay so there's going to be a massive trickle down effect okay and it's going to create opportunities right across the industry right across the world and of course now and and this conversation is a fantastic example of this okay you and I are having a conversation, and yet we're in different countries. Let alone we're not even we're not even in the same room. We're not even in the same country, and yet we're having a conversation. Remote working has become the norm now for most companies, so it's just massively opening up opportunity. And to help people take advantage of this, um, we've taken the Career Accelerator program, which was priced at I think 
for the full everything or singing or dancing or the whistles about like 600 bucks we're now making it a membership and for the whole of 2021 we're making it 20 dollars and 21 cents us per month like in netflix mm-hmm. all right so a fantastic opportunity for people to really take advantage of everything that's out there yeah for sure definitely and what do you see this whole workforce going into I guess I know in the United States, most of the states have reopened, have been fully like going back to normal. I know for us, we're, I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully something will change by the end of this year. But uh, what do you think the changes are going to happen? Because I'm curious to know your predictions and what you see and what you've analyzed. Because a lot of us have been working from home. I'll tell you this. There was a recent article a couple months ago that was released in my city saying that a lot of people do not want to return to in-person work because I guess they started to realize, wow, what a benefit to be working from home. I don't have to, you know, dress up fancy. So I save money on clothing. I save money on my car. My car gets to last longer. You know, I could, I could just spend extra time with the family because sometimes the commute before this whole pandemic for a lot of people was really, really stainuous. Like some people, work in the city, but live more than either 30, 40 minutes away from their jobs. So where do you see the work industry? Like what changes? What do you see more people becoming entrepreneurs? Like what do you see happening as we go into this? Apparently I'm not, I'm doing air quotes, this new normal. Yeah. I thought we said we weren't going to use that phrase. Anyway, I'm kidding. So, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, look, the only prediction I'll make is I'm not going to make any predictions. So the, um, what, I'll t- what, I, what, I, what I can tell you is that um, on my podcast, The Conference Room, um, I had a fantastic, fantastic um, expert. She's an author and a commentator and specifically consults with organizations around working from home. And creating a culture where working from home works okay her name is Maya Middlemiss and uh she's got some fantastic books that I I strongly recommend people reading if they're if they're interested in that uh, in, in that area right um what she was basically saying was I mean she was predicting that the world is gonna it it the world's gonna change tremendously where only location imperative organizations will require people to work from the from their from their their, their office their, their base whatever it is okay like for example um let's take walmart as an example right you can't be a um customer service representative at walmart you know the guy the person that helps people you know put stuff on the sh- you know take stuff off the shelves or find stuff you can't do that from home you have to physically be at walmart to do it okay you can't be a, um, a surgeon and work from home. You have to kind of be in the operating room to do that, right? You've got to be in the OR, right? So there are some jobs that are reliant on people being in a physical location, okay? You can't be an astronaut and work from home. <laughs> you, definition of astronaut, you're, you're working out of space, right? Um, however... The majority of the of, of, of the economy 
um, relies on workers who are not location specific. And her prediction is that, um, that non-location specific um, people overwhelmingly will start to work from home. Okay, companies are going to find it uh, are going to find it much more beneficial because with things like Teams and Zoom and all this other wonderful technology, they're going to still be able to uh, have meetings with people. The meetings are generally going to be shorter, and also they're going to save a buttload of money when it comes to office space. Oh, for sure, definitely. And I notice a lot of the big corporations have gone into uh, work at home because it's just it makes sense it just makes sense exactly yeah you know there's the social interaction you you know you're, you're not going to be able to walk a couple feet and say hey neighbor what's going on what are you working on what was your weekend what are you doing for lunch did you want to go out like you don't get that social aspect which i feel like a lot of people have been like oh my gosh like you know used to go out and lunches with your coworkers and find these new places to have lunch and now it's more like let me send them a WhatsApp and hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Yeah. But I feel like people are slowly adapting to it. And when I saw that article, I was just like, wow, like um, literally majority of people who transitioned to work from home for the past a year and a half to don't want to return into their in-person environment. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak for myself. Okay. Um, I have missed office interaction. Um, I've worked very hard to develop relationships and I've, I've got ooh, seven or eight team members that I work with very closely now that our entire relationship has been over Zoom. Okay. I've, I've, there are, there's one person, actually two people that I work with very closely who um, I have worked with face-to-face physically in the same space in the past, um, but not really to any great degree, okay? Uh, and not for a long, long time. But there's about six or seven people that we've hired, uh, and I work with very closely now, that I've, ne- I've never physically met. We've, we, I've, never, I've never been in the same room as, you know? Um, a few of them I've never been in the same country as, you know? And yet we, we work very hard to develop a, um, a strong working relationship based around um you know zoom and, and i think i think in some ways it, it the relationship um is, is is a little bit kind of weakened because there is something about kind of going over to someone and kind of pressing the flesh and saying hi and you know that kind of face-to-face interaction and just the spontaneity um that uh kind of wandering over to their desk and saying hey how's it going whatever can have but on the other hand um, I think because we don't have that, we just invest a little bit more and make the time on Zoom or, you know, a WhatsApp message, whatever counts. It, it, is, it is weird that um, I've got a team of people that a significant proportion of whom I've never been out to lunch with. I've, yeah. never, take, I've, I've never gone to a bar with, you know, where, I don't know, three, four years or what, two, three years ago and before, right at the beginning of my career, that was unheard of. But it also means that it's opened out the fact that where in the past there was this almost um, imperative of I had to work with people face to face. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it meant 
that when I was living in the UK, everybody that I worked with had to live within, you know, 15, 20 miles of Manchester, England, where I worked. All right. Here, I'm in Las Vegas. Everyone had to, that I was going to hire had to come from that very tight catchment area. Now, I'm hiring people all over the world. So it completely unleashes the geographic possibilities of where people sure. come from. For sure. Which, which massively increases the talent pool. So, yep. you know, which also means that I'm a winner because I get to hire people um, irrespective of where they're based. And it also means that um, people who might be right for, people who might be right for me, I get to hire. But equally, from the other side of the fence, people for whom my organization might be right for get to be hired by the organization irrespective of where they're based. So it, it neither rules out job opportunities for employees or great talent for employers. Wow. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I love what you're doing, especially being an international business, allowing, you know, others from different parts of the world to utilize those skills and work for you and help other people as well, which is so important. You're very well diverse. Thank you. I love that. I appreciate it. Now, what is one piece of advice that you can leave us before we wrap this up? No, oh, I have not given you enough. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You've given us a lot, but there's got to be one that you're like, maybe let me save this to the end. Yeah. Okay. So there's a quote that I, I'm not sure who, it's, it's, it's meant to be an old Chinese proverb. Um, and uh, it's something that I think is so important. All right. Which is, I mean, the context of it is when you talk about something like a job change or assessing your career, it's a big job. There's a lot to do. Okay. And whether it's, I mean, it's all of the steps from figuring out what you want to do, well, figuring out what you ought to be doing, figuring out where to get it, then writing a resume and training yourself on how to interview properly and doing job applications and managing multiple uh, uh, job, you know, uh, multiple uh, interview um, paths and everything from figure and then figuring out the right job offer. There's so much to do. All right. And it really can be daunting. Okay. So in the context of that, the final, the, the, the one piece of advice I would give is this. Okay. There's an old Chinese proverb, which is the best time to, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So yeah, all of these things, it should have been done when you, the day you left college. It should have been done, you know, when you finished school. But if it didn't, if it wasn't, then the best time to do it is right now. Not wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till after July 4th. Don't wait till after Labor Day. Don't wait till you've come back from summer vacation. Don't wait till your birthday. Don't wait till July till January 2nd, okay? Do it today. Do it right now. Okay. I love that. I agree. I honestly agree. Well, Simon, this has been so informative. And again, I'm still like <laughs> in shocked by the statistics and also the numbers that you provided. I just hope people out there can really just think about like, even though you may not be working or currently looking or, or sticking around, just really think about 
your overall health and your happiness and how you can utilize the skills that you have and find something that you truly, truly love. Absolutely. And the best place to start, go to www.careeraccelerator.com or by all means, come and find me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Simon Lader. You can also find me at simonlader.com, which is S-I-M-O-N. Simon Lader is L-A-D-E-R, simonlader.com. Or come on, when you finish listening to this podcast, and always listen to this one because Angelica is great, the second best podcast is The Conference Room, where you can hear me as well. Awesome. Well, everything is going to be in the show notes for those listening. Thank you again, Simon, for sharing all this information. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Angelique, it's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> well, to all my listeners out there, thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy, Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pin from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ken, a.k.a. The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of a little bit of everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate review and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to.